Yesterday was a challenging day, of course, for many of us, as it was pretty clear after the first half that UCLA was not going to win. And Marvin, Marvin, uh, bless you, my brother, because you have bragging rights for another year. And uh, it was a privilege with uh, a couple of brothers. I went down to the, to the game yesterday and, uh, and was in the parking lot. And um, the, you're funny, funny, funny. UCLA played uh, USC. And it, okay, so it wasn't much of a game, but it was a game. And, and the interesting thing was is that when we were there, um, uh, a couple of things uh, struck me. We went down and we had a, a tailgate uh, thing, you know, because that, that's what you do. You go and open the tailgate and, you know, and we had these bratwurst things. And, and uh, so my stomach isn't feeling real good this morning. Um, and, uh, but a couple of things uh, struck me. You know, our, our tickets weren't all that great. They were 34 rows up on like the 25-yard line, and we had better tickets the last time that we that we did this uh, but they were 300 bucks yeah and so uh i thought that was kind of interesting uh and almost as interesting as the parking ticket now you park if you've never been down there to the rose bowl you can park on the golf course i mean it really tears that golf course up i would imagine that the golf course people other than the fact that they're probably making some big bucks you know uh but the parking ticket was 50 bucks to park your car, to go to a silly game that wasn't even a good game after all. So I'm sure I'll get over it. Uh, so speaking of that, we've been talking about stewardship. <laughs> and we have to remember, don't we, that stewardship simply is overseeing and the managing of God's provision, what he's already given us. And we know from Psalm 24, we looked at this last week, if you weren't here, that the earth is the Lord's and everything in it. So it's abundantly clear, biblically speaking, that God just owns everything. Amen? So He's the Creator and He is the Lord of all. So this biblical principle of ownership then becomes pretty important because it overrides everything that we're taught by the world. $50 parking or not. See, our stuff isn't ultimately our stuff. It just isn't. It belongs to God. It's really God's stuff. And He merely gives it to us to oversee. And even that's just for a time, isn't it? So His concern isn't that we have stuff. There's nothing wrong with stuff. His concern is how we use the stuff that He's given us for such a time, a short time. So, he has the rights of ownership. We have the responsibility, right? And we looked at that last week. So, biblically, we understand as we sit here this morning that actually nothing belongs to us. Now, that's pretty hard for some of us to hang on to, isn't it? Can you grasp that? Because you probably drove your car here today. Isn't that your car? But it's God's car, yeah. So I have an example of that, actually, because what I brought this morning, I was thinking about this this week in terms of stuff. Um, this, by the way, is the grant deed for 1290 Grand Avenue. 
That's the stuff. Um, it's the deed. And it says right here on the deed, uh, this is recorded in the county of Ventura. And it says right here, it says, uh, Ojai Valley Christian Fellowship, a California nonprofit corporation. Huh. Uh, and it says that for valuable consideration, the receipt of which is hereby acknowledged. Valuable. I think that's money. I think that's what they mean. Um, that, that that place out. I guess it's that way, huh? That place out there, 1290 uh, Grand Avenue, that stuff that's out there. Uh, this paper here says that it used to belong to the Lutheran Church of our Redeemer. And then it got, somehow or another, it got flipped over here and now the, now that stuff all that stuff over there belongs to Ohio Valley Christian Fellowship according to this piece of paper. But I'm confronted with that really because the problem is that the county of Ventura gave us this piece of paper that said that that it's, it belongs to this church but I got paper here that says that it doesn't. So I'm trying to figure this out because aren't you? Because don't you? you have stuff like that too? It's Okay, wait a minute. The county says it belongs to us. And God says it belongs to Him. So, whose is it anyway? <laughs> yeah, really, it is His, isn't it? It's really interesting though because if you... Have you ever seen one of these, by the way? Because that's uh, like eight-point font that says this, this is the definition of the stuff. There it is. Uh, starts out that portion of Lot 19, Bard, sub, Bard Subdivision, yep, uh, of the Rancho Ojai County Ventura State of California, according to the map recorded in Book 5, page 25 and a half of the maps of the Office of the County Recorder of said county. And, and it goes on and on and on. And then it has some kind of like GPS coordinates or something I can't figure out. Uh, and that's the description. And... Um, and so uh, now I have a confession to make because I've been telling you all along it's 3.838 acres, but this document says it's 4. Point, it's 4.838 acres. So I guess God just gave us an extra acre that I didn't know about <laughs> because that's what it says. So the whole point of it is is that we've got this document here that the government says that, that this nonprofit corporation incorporated in the state of California owns that stuff. And I got this other document here that is way more authoritative that says, no, it doesn't. The earth is the Lord's and everything in it. Huh. Interesting. Now, the biblical principle of God's ownership of all things and our responsibility to just oversee and manage them ultimately leads to our being held accountable for just managing what we're doing, including this, right? And then there's reward. You see, God is going to reward us not only now, but in the life to come for just how did we deal with the stuff that he gave us? That's all, he, that's all we're going to be asked. I love that. Now, you'll notice that I titled the message for today, Everything You Ever Wanted to Know About Tithes and Offerings But Were Afraid to Ask, unless, of course, you were really observant. And you see, and part of your insert says that, but on the front of the bulletin, it says all you ever wanted to know. So you can figure out which title you would like this morning. Because the everything is a stewardship issue, isn't it? 
Our stuff is just a stewardship issue. So, I want you to take a deep breath. Because now all of a sudden, just the thought of sitting here this morning and talking about your stuff that really isn't your stuff might make you a little uncomfortable. Breathe again. Inhale, everybody. Exhale. Oh, that's always good, isn't it? Inhale. Exhale. Okay, now that your brains are oxygenized, (laughs) maybe you'll hear the message. You see, because this may be a pretty short message this morning. Because really the Lord put it on my heart just to tell you right up front. Look at the title. Everything you ever wanted to know. About tithes. Right up front, I'm going to tell you right about this biblical precedent that we have here. About tithing. Oh, man. See, because normally, now I see normally a good preacher, you know, one that does this regularly... He would build a sermon from the top down and he would pull together a title. We have a title. And then he would create a really good outline and then he would identify the points that are going to be made. We're talking about stewardships relating to tithes and offerings now. And the points that would be made, of course, would be supported by what? Bible. And then at the end, a good preacher always has this crescendo. Don't you... Now, I consider Richie a, a pretty good preacher. See, he, he knows how to preach the Word of God pretty well. And so he puts this all together this way. That's where I learned this, by the way. And so what he does, he puts it together. There's a crescendo at the end because he wants you to leave with remembering that big crescendo, even if you're going to forget the biblical support that was behind it all. Because we can't remember because oftentimes we're in church and we forget to inhale and exhale. But since, A, I'm not a preacher, I'm just a... I'm just an elder and a church treasurer. See, I don't have to do that. (laughs) I have license. And I'm sure you're all going to appreciate the fact that I'm just going to get to the point this morning. I'm going to put the crescendo at the beginning, not at the end. Now, I didn't, I don't have permission for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Olivia's really going to appreciate that, aren't you, Olivia? (laughs) She and I have this thing about teaching. She likes the crescendo at the beginning. So, I know you're probably already aware of how much of your income you're supposed to give every week. You've probably heard it a hundred times, haven't you? Uh, You've probably never heard it from here, though, have you? Hmm. But you've probably heard it someplace else. I know I have. I've heard it from the, like the radio preachers. I listen to Christian radio, Christian talk radio a lot. I like listening to other people's sermons. And I've heard this whole tithing message. I've heard it from them. I've also seen it on Christian TV. You know those guys on Christian TV. I think that the primary thing that they talk about is your money because they want to extricate it from you. (laughs) They just want it. 
my concern is most of them want it, and it goes here. It's not for God's kingdom. So you probably just want to know the biblical truth about tithing and what God expects from you. Right? And you want to know what this church expects from you too. Right? Oh, man, it's quiet in here. Because, you know, the point is, is that, I mean, this has to be a message on stewardship, isn't it? Tithing and offering, isn't that a message on stewardship? All of a sudden, we're talking about separating you from your money. And didn't Pastor Richie just kind of go on vacation at a convenient time here? I mean, come on. He said, Bill can tell him. Let's let Bill take the heat when we tell him how much money they got to give. <laughs> well, no. Yeah, Richie didn't say that. I don't know what he's thinking. But I'm pretty sure he's not thinking that. But some of you today, this very day, some of you, when the bag came down the road, there was some anxiety, wasn't there? Oh, man. Come on now. Wasn't there? You didn't have any anxiety? Wow, you're an unusual group. Because you see, a lot of people, that bag coming down the aisle part, that's the part of the service that they get uncomfortable with. They don't like that. Because some people think, man, if they only knew how many bills I have to pay. I gotta balance my checkbook at the end of the month. Man, I got three more years on my car payment. That's the one that's really killing me, man. Because, you know, German cars are expensive, and God wants me to be happy. And I'm a compassionate person, too. You know that $3,000? See. English bulldogs are special. Aren't they? And don't they need a home too? Expensive dogs. See, sometimes it's just the guilt of it, isn't it? It's the guilt when the bag goes by. Now, I know you're thinking that I'm about to hammer it home here, and I am. Because... Sometimes we sing. We didn't today, but sometimes we sing. Change my heart, oh God. Make it ever true. But you're probably glad that I'm just going to get this over with right up front, aren't you? Come on, because you just want to know. What does God's Word say and what does this church expect? You've got to know. Let's just get it over with and then move on. Now, this is, going to be as, this is going to be hard for me. It's going to be as hard for me to say to you as it probably is for you to accept. Now, I'm only telling you this because you know you're loved here, right? This place is full of people that come here because they know that God loves us. And we love each other. This is a pretty loving place. And, of course, what you're about to hear is going to be good for you, too. I'm only doing this because it's for your good. And, of course, it glorifies God. Okay. Hang on. 
So here it comes. Here's the biblical mandate. You ready? Now we got to get serious about this. Here's the biblical mandated percentage of your income that the Bible says, and this church supports. And yes, it is your pre-tax income, not your after-tax. This is the percentage of your income in the tithe that you are required to pay. Are you ready? Zero. Zero percent. Now, some of you are ready to just jump out of your chairs and go dance in the street, right? Zero percent. All of a sudden, I'm feeling pretty good about the bag coming down the aisle now. I love it. Some of you are perplexed. What? What are you talking about? And there's others of you that are a little bit torqued off right now because you've been giving faithfully and generously your whole life. So hear me out. Because it's zero percent. Now, what's important here is what this says. Amen? That's the authority. Regardless of what you've ever heard about tithing, any prayer on tithing and giving, anything on tithing, regardless of what you've heard, this is the authority. And that's what matters. Right up there so you can see it. So what's a tithe? I mean, as long as we're hey, as long as we're free, not to have to give anything. All of a sudden, the German car looks pretty good. So, what is a tithe? And doesn't God, on the authority of His Word, require it? We heard a prayer about tithing this morning. Well, the answer to that authority of God's Word requiring it, biblically, the answer is no. And yes. So let me explain that. You see, in the Old Testament, in the Hebrew word for tithe comes from the word, root word insur. And insur means ten. And ten in the Hebrew definition of the word tithe in the Old Testament in both the Hebrew and the Aramaic means a tenth part. See, because you thought you were supposed to give a ten percent of your income, didn't you? And you've heard that before, haven't you? Ten percent of your income, ten percent of your pre-tax. But that's what tithe means, a tenth part. It means the same thing in the Greek. So there you have it. A tithe is a tenth or ten percent. And that's biblical, right? Of course it is. It's right there. In fact, this ten percent principle came to us in the Bible 4,500 years ago. And 4,500 years ago was a really long time when in the Old Testament, Abram, who later, of course, became Abraham. We know that, don't we? Who, by the way, God made a covenant with that was pretty important because it impacted all of us. And I'm pretty sure that so much so that that's part of the reason why we're here today. Anyway, Abram, 
he went through a significant battle. Maybe you'll remember this. He went through a significant battle to rescue his nephew. This nephew's name was Lot. And Lot was in this place called Sodom. And that's the city where things weren't going so good according to the way God had things designed and planned. And so Abram went there in a battle and it was tough. And he rescued Lot. You can read all about it in Genesis chapter 14. You should write that down. So Abram, after he took the spoils from this victory, which was pretty common back in the day when you had a battle and you won, you took their stuff. It's in the Bible. That was customary in the day. But anyway, after Abram did this, he ran across this guy named Melchizedek. Heard of him before? Mm-hmm. He was a priest of God Most High, and Abram gave him 10% of everything he had. Now, this is interesting because right after Abram's... Wait, there's the 10%. Yeah, right after Abram gave him 10%, uh, uh, that's an offering to God. Right after that, God made this incredible covenant with Abram to give him a son and then to bless a whole people through him. In case you're interested, that's in Genesis 14:18, where it says, Then Melchizedek, king of Salem, brought out bread and wine, and he was priest of God Most High. And he blessed Abram, saying, Blessed be Abram of God Most High, creator of heaven and earth. And praise be to God Most High, who delivered your enemies into your hand. And then not a breath of a second goes by, and the Bible says, Then Abram gave a tenth of everything he had. But this giving to God has way earlier roots than that because if you're in Genesis, if you want to be, you can look at Genesis 4, 1 through 5, and you know this story. Genesis 4, 1 through 5. Now, Adam had sexual... What? You know one of the things I love about the Bible? When I was Before I was a believer, I bought this Bible, this, this one right here, this very one, and I didn't know anything about anything. And I opened it up and I started reading in Genesis. Holy cow. I was shocked at what I was reading. Absolutely shocked. And it was my first introduction to how real God is. Didn't sugarcoat anything. It's real. Now, Adam had sexual relations with his wife Eve, and she became pregnant, and she gave birth to Cain. She said, with the Lord's help, I have produced a man, verse 2. Later, she gave birth to his brother and named him Abel. We know the story. When they grew up, Abel became a shepherd while Cain cultivated the ground. When it was time for the harvest, Cain presented some of his crops as a gift to the Lord. That's nice. Verse 4, Abel also brought a gift, the best portions of the firstborn lambs from his flock. And the Lord accepted Abel and his gift, but he did not accept Cain and his gift. You see, the very first tithe to God in Scripture isn't a tithe at all. It was a gift. It was an offering. And what's significant about that is, look, there are these two offerings to God. Neither one of them is 10%. Interesting. That's the definition of a tithe. Tithe, a tenth part, 10%. Neither one of those were 10%. And you see, the difference between the two, of course, one offering from Cain was rejected and the other one from Abel wasn't. 
Why? It was an attitude of the heart. You see, Cain thought that he could appease God. Maybe I'll just, oh, just a couple of pieces of fruit in here. I'll just give it to God. But Abel, on the other hand, was like this. Lord, you've provided. I'm going to give you the first and the best. This has tremendous significance throughout the entirety of Scripture. Here we just see that the truth in giving is from giving of the heart. Giving God the best of what He's already provided. Interesting. One gift, one offering was from the heart. The other was from leftovers. Of course, there's an ultimate sacrifice, isn't there, in Scripture? There's an ultimate sacrifice in Scripture. All of this was leading up to. Amen. John 3.16, right? For God so loved the world that He gave. You talk about an offering. Put that in your plate every Sunday morning as it comes down the road. God gave His one and only Son salvation. What's significant about these first two offerings though, Abram's and Cain and Abel's, is you see they all happened outside of the Mosaic law that God hadn't even put in place yet. Now comes the 10%. It's important because Moses, when he came down the mountain, remember Moses? Remember the commandments that he brought down the mountain with him? And remember what he did with them? He wanted to present them to God's people. And what were God's people doing at the time? Worshipping idols. That was a pretty out of control group of people. And now God institutes the law. Now that law was all about a broken relationship with the Lord, wasn't it? These people had a broken relationship. I hope this is I hope you're paying attention. Because this was about a broken relationship in the Old Testament stewardship. They weren't good stewards of their time, of their resources. God puts the law in place and he brings it down the mountain from Moses. He gives it to the people and sin was their predicament. So God establishes this law in the Old Testament amongst other things to reveal what? His holiness to set the nation of Israel apart at that time, to reveal their sinfulness, hmm, and to provide for forgiveness through a sacrificial system of giving. So tithing in the Old Testament, really, it was a requirement of the law. And it was 10%. It was 10%. Leviticus 27.30 said because God owned it, the tithe, that's the tithe that he owned, and he considered it holy. The tithe was 10%. It makes it really easy. One, two, three, four, five. For all of those of us that have all of our digits, they go up to 10. It makes it really easy. 10 is 10%. It was a requirement of the law. So biblically, we see so far that there is an offering to God out of gratitude from Abel for his provision. And that was acceptable to him. 
because of his heart of gratitude. And we've seen an offering to God by Cain that was not acceptable to God because it was duty. He only did it because he felt he had to. Hmm. Don't miss that. You see, in the Old Testament even, God didn't want and surely didn't need the offering that was grudgingly given. It says he didn't even accept the offering, nor did he accept Cain. That's big. Now, if you're still with me, remember that grudgingly comment for just a little bit later, okay? Because the law, of course, was simply in place for a really long time, and at least that's how we measure time. But all along, God had another plan with this whole tithing business. Because He had been consistently revealing His plan to us through His prophets over time. Tithing, though, continued as it was instituted in the law and commanded by God for His people, and the whole thing was a pretty bloody mess. Amen? Last time I looked, thank God we're not under the law. There's no altar that we have to slaughter an animal on here. The 10% tithe in the Old Testament was clear and its purpose was clear and so was its practice. The The whole thing centered on God's provision, the people's sin, and the people's heart towards God. And God did not need the tithe. Because it was all His already. But was there purpose for the tithe in the Old Testament? Of course there was a purpose for the tithe. 10%. It was used to support the priests. So now, Pastor Richie can make a living. But wait a minute, Pastor Richie isn't under the law. In Numbers, we're told that the tithe, that all the tithes of Israel went into the tent of meeting. And it was to support the priests. And it was support, the offering of the Lord was to support everything that was going on in what we would now today call the church. It had a purpose. But God's Word, even in the Old Testament, speaks a lot about money and possessions. And we've just scratched that surface here this morning. And I will tell you this about that. The biblical truth that is that the first tithes in the Bible weren't tithes at all. They were offerings of gratitude for who God is and His provision for His people because they're His provision. You see, back then... Tithing was put into a place because of the law. It was a command of God to His people to give 10%. How many of you are stuck on the 10% issue? It's really common in the church. People feel guilty. Oh, 10%. I'm studying for this message and you'd be shocked. I read sermon after sermon after sermon provided by other pastors. And the the most common thing was they talked about the requirement 
for 10%, even in the sermons. People were talking in churches from the pulpit about how, church, you are to give 10%. In the sermons, these guys are talking about your pre-tax income. But that's a requirement. But so far, we've seen that these are really offerings of gratitude. Now, it seems like there's a lot of stuff and money going back to God here, doesn't it? And it's all His anyway. So how is it that the tithing mandate, this command of God to tithe 10% of your first fruits, as He calls it in the Bible, is somehow now zero? How can that be? How's that possible? Enter grace. Aren't you glad that you can sit here this morning and that the Old Testament law has been abolished and that we are under grace and that's the grace of God through Jesus Christ? Oh, man. Amen. Amen. Even in Matthew 5.17, Jesus said, Don't misunderstand why I have come. I did not come to abolish the law of Moses or the writings of the prophets. No. Now he makes it very clear. I came to accomplish their purpose. You see, this whole thing of tithing in the Old Testament is just that. It's an Old Testament concept. That's all it is. It's not only an Old Testament concept. It's an Old Testament practice. The tithe of 10% was a requirement of the law the very law that Jesus said he came to accomplish. Now, this is probably good news, isn't it? Now, this is probably good news, isn't it? Okay, good. Let's check and make sure you're awake. You see, because, you know, when you study the Old Testament law and the whole sacrificial system, you know, it wasn't just 10%. That's the crazy thing. I didn't read any sermons when I was studying for this that, that said this. It was more than 10%. Because when you study the law, you see there were temple taxes and there were other tithes for sacrificial giving for things like festivals and, 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 and just all kinds of things that were going on there. And if you really try to do the math in the Old Testament, the sacrificial system of giving of the 10% tithe, there was more than a 10% tithe because there were 10% tithes at other times of the year. And if you try to add all of that up, I mean, it was like highway robbery because it was like 25% of your income. I wonder if they ever talked about pre-tax or after-tax income. See, Jesus came to fulfill the law and they ultimately realized, they being the church, we're studying this in Acts, they ultimately realized that that whole legalistic system of the requirement it, of 10% tithing of your pre-tax income, you see, they realized that that legalistic system was finished. It was done by a God that declared His amazing grace. So the reality is, actually, that whole biblical truth is, is that whatever you put in the bag this morning, when it came down the road, it wasn't a tithe at all. 
it wasn't a tithe at all. Because the biblical truth is under grace and not the law, you are under no obligation to fill the Old Testament law. Nowhere in the New Testament, nowhere does it command such a thing to give 10%. Jesus himself taught against the whole practice of a ritualistic, legalistic system of dutifully doing anything. In Matthew 23, Jesus even called out the religious leaders for their hypocrisy for such a thing. Jesus, when he was here, calls out the religious leaders for their hypocrisy. He says, woe to you. Woe is a powerful word. He says, woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. I love it when Jesus calls somebody a hypocrite and he's not talking to me. Unfortunately, sometimes he's talking to me. He says, you give a tenth of your spices. That's a tithe of mint, dill, and cumin, but you have neglected the more important matters of the law, justice, mercy, and faithfulness. You see, you have practiced the latter and without this whole neglect of the former. You blind guides, he calls them. Notice that the emphasis here is the more important matters. Law, justice, mercy, faithfulness. And now you can begin to see that even Jesus had to explain himself relative to fulfilling the law and grace is entering into the scene. So forget your tithe. Grace, you see, is about an offering. They're not the same thing. Just look to Jesus, the ultimate offering for you and me. That was an offering filled with grace. If you see Jesus as an offering, His life as an offering, it will begin to transform your understanding of giving. You see, under grace, that's what we're under. We're under grace. So an offering is something that is Freely given. Amen? We're free to give. Where the Old Testament tithe, I would really like you to just extract that word from your vocabulary in some way. The tithe was a requirement, but grace nowhere commands or demands anything of the such. There's just such a huge difference. I hope you're beginning to see it. Because now I know that in some circles, people will be taking a look at this or listening to it and say, that guy is full of it. Because how can that be? How can it be? Because we've heard the preacher say that you've got to give 10%. How else is the church going to operate anyway? I don't know. I can just tell you that it's not biblical. You're not required to give 10%. However, if God is prompting you to freely give 10% or 20 or 50 or 90, if that's what He's prompting to do, and it is done freely and not out of compulsion and according to 2 Corinthians 9, 7, then praise God and hallelujah. 
every time the basket comes down the aisle. Because 2 Corinthians 9, 7 says each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or out of any compulsion whatsoever, for God loves a cheerful giver. We've heard it a hundred times. Grace is freedom and joy in giving. You see, that's biblical. And that's an offering and not a tithe. Take the legalism out of the giving and see how God frees you and brings joy into your life. Now, just know that if anyone insists that the tithe is still a requirement, just know that you can say, no, it's not. That's not a requirement. The truth is, you see, you can't buy favor from God. Right? You don't have enough money to buy favor from God. Nor does He want it for that purpose anyway. Just keep it. You can't buy favor from God and you can't buy your salvation. It's not a works issue. Never, ever, ever, ever let your offering become a duty. Never, ever, ever, ever let it become anything other than free will. Never, ever, 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 ever give it a concern at all as the bag goes down the aisle relative to what you're going to give. Because what the God of all grace desires and what He really values is a heart that just overflows with gratitude. See, our God, He just loves attitude. So cop an attitude. (laughs) It's okay. Cop an attitude. Cop an attitude of gratitude. And that gratitude, that thanksgiving that you have should be coming from the realization that Christ died on the cross for you and me. Amen? See, that's amazing grace. Now, I hope you can see that the giving of ourselves to Him is an offering. It is an act of worship. And we've been reading this passage in Romans 12, 1 and 2 since the very first of the year. Since January, we've been reading Romans 12, 1 and 2. And that it's all about giving ourselves in the giving of our time, giving of our talent, giving of our financial resources. See, it's a package deal. He just wants all of us. And why wouldn't we give ourselves to God completely anyway? After what He's done for us. I mean, seriously. See, that's the attitude that we need to cop. Let's just cop that attitude. Oh, you realize what the Lord Jesus Christ did for you and me? Wow. See, that's what He wants. He wants us to have the right attitude about that, first and foremost. It's an attitude of the heart. That's really all you need to know. See, You're giving. You're offering to the Lord. And for His kingdom work, that is an act of worship. And that you are free to do. 
not under compulsion and not under any duty and not under any ritual and not under anything other than grace. Amen? That's the heart that wants to give freely and generously and willingly and cheerfully and joyfully because your offering is in response to the love and the grace that abound in Jesus Christ. Amen? So, I hope now that that's really all you need to know. Because next week, I don't have the slightest idea what Richie is going to preach on. But I know one thing that's going to happen. Those purple bags are going to go down the aisle. And then there's going to be somebody here and it's going to go down that one. It's going to turn around it's going to go down that one. And what God's Word wants you to know about the bags going down the aisle is that you can leave your legalistic, ritualistic, and dutiful tithes at home. Just leave them there. But bring your offerings to God. That's what He cares about. Start. Romans 12, 1 and 2. Start. Please pray that the Lord would show you how to start by offering yourself as a living sacrifice. Just start there. And then, if you do that daily, everything else will flow from that, including how you spend your time in stewardship, how you spend the talent that God gave you in stewardship, and how you spend your resources that belong to God in stewardship, all of which have been entrusted for you to use for His purposes for such a time as this. It's not that difficult. Praise be to God for His grace and His abundance in provision for us. Amen? Be a shepherd of what God has already just provided. It's a simple message of stewardship and giving because God is interested in your joy and your freedom in Christ. Amen? Let's pray. Lord, Your Word, Lord, is amazing. And forgive us, Father God, that we sometimes just butcher it up. Forgive us, Lord, for how we sometimes get confused, Lord, about what Your Word says and perhaps what we've heard. Soften our hearts, God, that our relationship with You, Lord, would be one where it would just manifest our complete 
and total offering of our lives to you. And then, God, show us what that freedom looks like. Show us, God, what that offering of ourselves to you as our spiritual act of worship looks like manifest in the totality of our lives. Lord, we're your people and we want to be salt and we want to be light and we want to show the world, God, that there is freedom in Christ and joy that comes even in the stewardship of giving. Thank You for the truth of Your Word, Lord. Thank You, Lord Jesus, for who You are. Thank You, God, for Your provision on the cross and even Your material provision in our lives. Thank You, Jesus, that none of it would be without Your grace. So thank You for grace. In Christ's name.